This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit lakeeriechurch.com. Now here's today's message. We can overestimate how strong we are and we can underestimate how tired we are and we definitely underestimate the power of prayer in our lives. Last week we talked about the fact that we, we lack peace in a world of chaos. We talked about how important it was to be still. We kind of finished with this little mantra that stillness is a choice, prayer is a gift, peace is a promise. That God wants you to live in peace. He doesn't want you to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live in anxiety. He doesn't want you to be in a place where you are afraid. I love the passage in Hebrews. It says, the Lord is my keeper. I will not be afraid. So that we boldly say, the Lord is my help. I'm so grateful today that we can have that kind of peace. So today I want to talk about those moments in life when we feel like we are overcome by our circumstances. Overcome by our circumstances. And I want to read you a story in Mark chapter 9 that I think speaks to this particular part of this series that we're looking at. And I want to, I want to show you three things that I saw in this when I was reading uh, this uh, section of the book of Mark. In fact, I've been studying a series of messages that we'll do later in the year on looking for Jesus in the book of Mark. And when I was reading in preparation for that, I saw this story in a new way. And I want you to see it with me. Let's start looking in verse 14 in Mark chapter 9. When they, please stand with me, please. Thank you. When they returned to the other disciples, now stop and where were they were coming from? And who's they? Jesus, Peter, James, and John. He had taken three disciples. They had gone up onto a mountain and there there had been a transfiguration. They had seen Moses and Elijah and they had talked about the soon death of Jesus. So we pick it up in 14, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. I underlined those four words in my Bible. They couldn't do it. Let me ask you a hard question. Has there ever been a time when somebody walked into this building overcome with their circumstances, looking for someone to pray a prayer of faith or engage in a moment of deliverance 
and they left and said about us, they couldn't do it. I shudder to think about that. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Now, if you can read those words right there and not be touched by a parent's agony. The spirit throws him into the fire and into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father, father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Some translations say, help me overcome my circumstances. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why could we not cast out this evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Let's pray. Father. For what you are about to do in this room, I give you praise right now. I pray that our minds and our spirits will move from hearing to receiving. I pray for the kind of faith that transcends circumstance. Over all fear, over all apprehension, over every doubt that the enemy has ever tried to plant as a seed in my heart, I declare victory in this room right now and online right now for those that are watching. Oh, Shanda Basataya. In the name of Jesus, God, I believe you for what you were about to do. May your word be strong in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Now I realize that I am speaking today to people, for the most part, who love God and walk with God. That, that in reality, all of us in this room really do love the Lord. We care about Him, we, we love serving Him. But there are those times when we find ourselves in situations that completely overwhelm us. I thought about some of the very things that are going on in our church right now. The caregiving for an ailing parent or loved one. The suffering of never-ending treatments, doctor's visits, blood draws. The child who cannot seem to overcome their addiction. 
The rebellion of children who despite our prayers and best efforts seem to be slipping away spiritually or emotionally. The financial challenges of bills that don't get paid and the uncertainty of where our present economy might be going. The feeling of guilt and discouragement that are over unresolved issues that linger and tend to drag us down spiritually and emotionally. And you may not connect with any of those. There may be something entirely different going on with you. Maybe it's the stress of a struggling marriage. The difficulty of a career decision ahead of you. But you can literally become overwhelmed with the circumstances that surround you. Can I just offer you this morning the same hope that I've been offering you every week? In Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. We've been, we've been reading this every week. They'll put it on the screen. I want you to read it with me please. I want us to read this out together out loud as best you can. Let's read it. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. What a promise! God says that if you ever get to a place where you feel like you can't carry your load, give it to me. In fact, the key words there are come, rest, turn it over to me. There's hope this morning if you find yourself in a circumstance where you feel that you are completely overwhelmed by what you are dealing with. Oh, for a few moments this morning, I want to show you three things I think the Lord showed me. Here's the first one. In this story is a father who is desperate for help. I use the word desperate on purpose because if you read it and you connect to the emotion of his words, you know he's desperate. Think about what he's dealing with here. He's not asking for money to make a car payment. He's not trying to get a box of groceries to feed his family. He has a child that is being tormented by the devil and that spirit is trying to kill him. A parent who, who would do anything to try to save and rescue their own child. And if you're a mother or a father in the room or online, you know I'm telling the truth. There isn't anything you won't do to protect your children. And that's the way this father is. He's desperate to find some help. In this case, it's a spiritual need. But it may be different for you. The enemy may be trying to steal your child through addiction or rebellion or lifestyle. But at some point, a desperation comes that says, I have to get an answer from God. Have you ever been desperate? I mean desperate with God. Ever come to a place where you say, God, I'm not leaving this altar. I'm not leaving this place. I'm not leaving your presence until you hear me. I'm not going away from this place until I have an answer that somehow you're going to take care of this situation. That's how desperate he was. Now, it's easy to draw the conclusion that this has been a journey of many days. 
Because Jesus said to him, How long has this been happening? And he says to Jesus, Since he was a little boy. In other words, I've been dealing with this my whole life. I've been dealing with this every day since this boy was born. There hasn't been a single day, a single month, a single week that I have not been dealing with this crisis. Now it's one thing if you've got a problem this week, but if you have that problem every day, if you're dealing with it every day, if you're dealing with it every time you turn around, if there is no relief, if it is something that is constant, think about what that means. The child can never be left alone. Don't raise your hand. But aren't there sometimes as a parent when you want to just give your kid the iPad and say, go to your room? Yeah. You want to turn on the TV and just walk away? You can't do that with this child. He cannot be left alone. There isn't a single moment of relief for this dad. And some of you understand that because you've lived in the unexplainable weariness of having to take care of somebody and you cannot leave them alone. You cannot get away from it. Those of you that are caring for sick loved ones, sick parents, those of you that are caregivers, you understand what I'm saying, that you just don't find any relief. You live in the constant pressure not knowing what you are going to do next. He's tried everything, hasn't he? He's been everywhere. He's chased every promise. And it feels like he's at his last stop. If this doesn't work, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I don't know that we appreciate how desperate the father could possibly be. Maybe some of you can because you've been there. He's desperate. Then the second thing that I noticed in the story is that there is a God in the story who is not only willing, but is able to help. He's not only willing to help, but he is able to help. Now, I'm, I'm going to just tell you what I think. I don't think the father knew who Jesus was. I don't think that he understood this was Jesus. I don't think that he had a concept of who this was. I, I just feel like that probably it went something like this. He's talking to some of his buddies. It's like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. And the guy said, you know what? I heard about a guy over here, a, a guy from Nazareth, a Galilean. He's uh, helping a lot of people. You might want to try that. Because that's what people do all the time. They've always got some kind of helpful hint. I know somebody. I heard about somebody. I read a book. I saw this. You might try that. That's probably what happened to this dad. And he shows up to where Jesus is. And Jesus isn't there because he's up on the mountain with those disciples. And so he goes to the disciples of Jesus and he tells them what he needs. Can you see him? Eager, young preacher boys, they gather in around there. They try every trick in the book. They pray, they pray, they pray. Nothing's happening. And the religious scholars who were always following Jesus, looking for an opening, they probably now start chiding them. Well, there you go. All that power of God, y'all talk about nothing ain't happening. Look at that boy. He's just like he was before. What kind of power has God got? God ain't done anything for that boy. That boy's the same as he was. 
and you guys are a bunch of fraud and you're leading these people in the wrong direction and there's a, a murmuring and a, and a crazy activity when Jesus shows up. And Jesus says, what's going on here? And the man steps out of that moment and says, I got a boy and I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't help him. There's, there's something in those words that haunt me as a pastor of a church. There's something in those words that haunt me as a believer. Because at any given moment, at any given moment, you and I could be in that situation. Somebody could approach us. Somebody could come to us. Somebody could say, I need somebody that can get through to God. If you were that desperate this morning and you needed to get a hold of somebody that could get through to God in this church, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call that's got that kind of relationship, that kind of confidence in their faith walk before the Lord? And there are plenty. I'm not here to assume that there's not, but I'm simply reminding all of us that at any given moment we carry the name of Jesus. We represent the kingdom of God. If it's at the grocery store, if it's on our job, if it's in our neighborhood, let God's power be at work in us so that wherever we are, we carry the name of Jesus and the power of God is at work in us. They could not do it. And Jesus said, well, bring the boy to me. Now, like I said, I'm not sure that the man knew who Jesus was. But if he had known who Jesus was, he would never have said, if there's anything you can do, help us. I mean, if there's anything you can do. You notice that language? If there's anything, I mean, he's not even saying, I need my boy to be delivered, I need my boy to set free. He just said, if there's anything you can do to help us, He would never have said that if he knew who Jesus was. So, I'm going to help him this morning and us. If you start in the book of Mark, I love technology. I touched my screen and I went back three Sundays. Stay with me, I'm in last week. Here we go. If you take your Bible out and you start in the Gospel of Mark, here's what you're going to find. In chapter 1, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and other people that are there. And a man with leprosy came forth in verse 40 and knelt before Jesus begging to be healed and said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, reached out and touched him and said, I am willing be healed. And the man's leprosy disappeared. That's chapter 1. In chapter 2, Jesus heals a paralyzed man who was brought by his friends, let down through the roof. And when Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. He's willing and he's able. Chapter 3, Jesus heals a man with a deformed hand. He's in church and the man's got a deformed hand. He says, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand. And when he did, it was restored and he was made whole. In chapter 4, 
This same Jesus is in a boat. We talked about it last Sunday. He's in a boat. He stands up. He rebukes the winds and the waves. And the Bible said there was great calm. And the disciples said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? In Mark chapter 5, he heals a demon-possessed man at the tombs of the Gadarenes. He heals a Jewish ruler's daughter and a woman with an issue of blood. He is not only willing, but he is able. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 with a little boy's lunch and then he decides to walk on the water. In Mark chapter 7, he heals a little girl possessed by a demon and a man that was deaf. In Mark chapter 8, he feeds 4,000 more and he heals a blind man who could not see. I'm just telling you this morning and I'm telling everybody who's listening to me, there is a God who is not only willing, but He is able. Hallelujah. He's not only willing, but He is able. Bring your biggest problem. Bring your biggest difficulty. Bring your hardest dilemma. And there is a God who is able to heal and to deliver. Somebody praise the Lord with me, please. Hallelujah. And I don't know if you read the Bible like I do, but I read it very visually. I see Jesus going... If I can, if I can, why anything is possible to him that believes anything. What is your anything moment? There isn't anything that Jesus cannot do if we believe. Faith is the trigger for things that we need. It's the trigger, but you don't get to decide what God does. Our faith is not in our capacity to believe. And, and I, and I want to just stop long enough to say this in the time that I have. It's important that faith is not you telling God what to do. And your faith cannot be in your faith. Somebody said to me the other day, but we believed. Okay, but God still decides to do what God decides to do. If you believe, he said, anything is possible. So can I just remind somebody that's listening to me right now, whether you be online or in person, I'm talking about a God who has all power in heaven and earth. I'm talking about a God who made your body and heals sick bodies. I'm talking about a God who brings dead things to life. I'm talking about a God who restores broken relationships, broken marriages, broken families. There isn't anything that God cannot do. A father desperate for help and a God willing and able to do something. Which leads me to the last thing that I discovered in my reading is that there are some promises in this story that are worth remembering too. Two promises in this story that are worth remembering. And the first one is the one we just looked at. There's anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible if we believe. If somehow, this morning, we can get beyond our circumstances just long enough to believe, then the book says... 
There isn't anything that God cannot do. Here's the second one. When it was all over with and the boy was delivered, the disciples are along with Jesus and they, they say to Jesus, As I, I'm sure they were embarrassed. Don't you think they were embarrassed? The man brought their son to them and they could not help him. And they was like, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we help that man? And Jesus said, this kind of spirit can only be cast out by prayer. Now this is going to hit you hard and I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable purposely. But I am going to speak truth into your life. You can't take the devil on if you're not praying. You can't just walk into church and walk into God's presence if you're not praying. If you're going to make it in this life, if you're going to make it in this world, if you're going to be the dad you're supposed to be, or the mom that you're supposed to be, or the whatever, you're going to have to learn how to pray. Because the only way that you can have the kind of power that we're talking about is if you pray. Jesus said this kind of spirit will only come out when we pray. One day Shelly and I were walking through Walmart. And I know it may be a little odd for you to even connect the fact that God's presence is in Walmart. But it was. We're walking through Walmart. She's putting stuff in the basket and I'm pushing the cart and I'm talking to God about our church just whispering prayers and talking to God about our church and God in that moment right there in that Walmart in fact I can tell you right where we were we were right between the milk and the beer right there on that aisle right there God's presence just moved on me in a powerful way and I began to witness in the spirit and it, it's it caught Shelly's attention and she turned around and like what, what's going on and I felt God say this there is a power in you that is greater than all the power of the devil and that is energized in us when we pray you understand this morning that the devil is scared to death of you when you pray the devil understands that if you pray, if you give yourself to prayer, if you sincerely seek the face of God, he knows that he cannot whip you. He knows that he can't defeat you. It's the reason he fights your prayer life so much. It's the reason he tries to distract you when you pray. In fact, I was here in the church a day or two ago and I was praying and I'm honestly... I'd come in and Heather and I had done a few things and I'd come in here to pray. And my mind was so activated by so many things that need to be done. I stopped. I said, God... Would you help me right now to capture my mind? And I'll make some notes here of the things that I'm thinking about, but I don't want any more thoughts coming in my head so that I can focus on this and pray and be able to be connected with you because sometimes our minds get so distracted because the enemy does not want us to pray. He knows that if we pray, the God of heaven responds. When we pray, heaven comes down. When we pray, miracles take place. When we pray, revival comes to our lives. When we pray, our household is energized because there is power in prayer and the fuel of our church 
It's not our money. Thank God for more money. Thank God for resources. But the fuel of this church is a praying people. People who pray, who seek the face of God. That's what fuels the LEC church. When we pray. And we've been doing that. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, if you're not busy, get on our on call. Erica Shaw will be leading prayer in the morning at 10 o'clock. We'll pray. On Tuesday, someone will be leading a noonday prayer. On Wednesday, Jeannie Roden will be leading prayer for our church. On Thursday, somebody will be doing uh, the noonday prayer. On Friday, Michelle Lewis will be leading us in prayer. On Monday night, Pastor Dustin will be leading us in prayer. On Saturday, Jason, I mean, uh, uh, Jason Atkins and Susan will be leading us in prayer. If my people called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and hear, God will hear from heaven. It's 21 days of concentration, but it's got to be 365 days of commitment to pray. If we pray. Five minutes every day. That's what we're asking God to do in your life. Five minutes every day. Pray five minutes every day. If you pray five minutes every day, in a week you've prayed 35 minutes. In a month you've prayed 100 minutes of prayer. Pray. The windows of heaven are open when you pray. The power of God is unleashed when you pray. If my people who are called by my name will pray. So let's finish. Come on, Jerome. Listen. When you get into a tough spot, and some of you are there this morning, you're dealing with a crisis. You're trying to overcome a circumstance. Maybe it's been something that you've had for a long time or maybe it's something that just rose up. Maybe it's the fact there just isn't enough money to pay the bills. Maybe it's the fact that there's an unresolved, broken relationship that has to be fixed. Maybe it's the fact that you don't know what to do. You've got a decision to make and you don't know what to do. Pray. Pray. Because if you pray, there isn't anything that God can't do. Let me see if I can say it like this and then we're going to be finished. It's... it's it's not so important what you say in those moments as it is what you believe. It's not the words that you say, it's what you believe. I grew up in a home with a man who said this over and over and over in almost every situation that I can mentally recall when my frenetic mother would say, Wazi, we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to do something. He'd say, wait a minute. We don't, no, we don't. No, we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God will do what God can do. And maybe that's a right now word for somebody who just heard that. We're going to pray 
And we're going to believe God for what God can do. I thought about some of you today. I love you. I really do. I love this church. I love being your pastor. And I love our relationships. And I'm not perfect. And I fumble more than I carry it across the goal line, I suppose. But I love you. And I carry you in my heart. And I pray for you every time you come to my mind. And I try to reach out as often as I can. And you know what I sometimes sense is what I've known my whole life. That in some of you, in some of the situations in your life, you're just in over your head. You're like a drowning man or woman. And you're in the water. And the water is over you. And you're reaching. Is there anybody up there? Is there anybody that can help me? I'm being overwhelmed by the circumstance. I don't know how to raise these children. I don't know how to run my business. I don't know how to manage my health. I don't know how to help my dad. I don't know how to help my mom. I don't know what to do about my job. I don't know what to do about our finances. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by it. Is there anybody could help me? Anybody could pull me out? Somebody throw me a lifeline. Somebody help me. I feel like I'm going under. Walk into the mailbox last night. I felt like God said, that's right. Tell them that. And let them know. I got them. I got them. Now, I know this is going to sound crazy to some of you. But when you're in over your head, that's exactly where God sometimes wants you to be. Not because he wants you to be panicked, but he wants you to be so dependent on him. See, there's a place where you get where there is no plan B. There is no backup plan. See, I think that's the problem for some of us. We say to God, okay, God, I need you to take care of this. But if you don't, I'm going to do this. That's not faith in God. That's making God one of many options that you have. But when you get to the point, like this father, where you're so desperate that he is the only option. God, if you don't come through, if you don't help me somehow, and God's like, I got you. I got you. I know you think you're not going to make it, but you will. I know you think you'll never raise these babies, but you will. I know you think you'll never pay your bills, but you will. Because there isn't anything that's too hard for me. So what is your anything moment? What did you come to this service today? What did you come to this online experience today? And say, i got to have God's help. I don't know what I'm going to do if God doesn't help me. And you came to the right service on the right day. Because God's reminding you today, there isn't anything 
that he cannot do for those who believe him. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.